It's always good to have you. Good to have all of you. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 15 today. There are so many things, guys, that we could talk about as it relates to the events going on in the world today. And we could do a sermon probably all day long, every week, about the circumstances. But we had really good discussions this morning in Sunday school, which was fantastic. So thank you, Bryant, for leading us in that. Harry, good to see you back, looking great. And you were really sick. And for you to be sitting there right now is a miracle. God is in the healing business, folks. I want to talk to you about the prodigal son this morning. I know this is a, a story you've all heard, but I want you to understand the context of the prodigal son story and that before Jesus told us this parable, he told us the par- two other parables in Luke chapter 15. One was the parable of the lost sheep, and one was the parable of the lost coin. And then he gives the parable of the prodigal son. What does all this mean? Well, if, let's just take a look at chapter 15 of Luke, verse 1. And this is the setting. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. You know, there's an old saying that I like that is, Saints, we have a past. Saints, we have a past. Sinners have a future. By that, I want you to always keep perspective on who you are in relationship to God the Father. God is holy, you are not. We are made righteous in the eyes of God only through the Son of Jesus Christ. Only through our faith in the Son, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. Are we counted then as righteous in the eyes of God? So no matter how many times you go to church or how many good intentions you have or how many times you donate to a charity or how many times you teach Sunday school or all of the quote-unquote Christian things that you can do, The Bible is clear to us that we all fall short of the glory of God. Remember, as a saint, you have a past. As a sinner, Jesus is sitting with sinners. He's sitting with them because he knows they could have a future. He reaches out to sinners Continually, God is constantly in search of people who want and desire to have a relationship with Him. He's always searching. There's no place a sinner can go. You can never run far enough from God and ever not be in the presence of God. God is omnipresent. No matter what sin you may be in right now, even as a saint... You may be saved by Jesus Christ, but you're still very capable of sinning. I know that I am. No sin that you're in right now, though, is enough to separate you from God. So don't think, I've done this one thing. How can God love me? We're really good about being 
people that compare ourselves to somebody else. You see, I could compare myself to the a person I work with and think, I'm doing pretty good, right? I'm doing pretty good. Or I look at my neighbor and think, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. In the eyes of God, at least that's my perception, and you may very well be right. You may be a better person by definition of society than the person you live next door to. Maybe you don't have a record of any type, or maybe you've got a history of just being very uh, loving and helpful, and you got a neighbor or someone you work with that's just a very spiteful, hateful person, right? And you go, I am better than them. Well, you may be, but when you're judged by God, you're going to be judged based on the righteousness of Jesus, not your own. And if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've got a problem. Because God's not looking at you. He's looking at His Son. And He's saying, who have you put your faith in? Scott? Bryant? Harry? Zach? Lou? Jimmy? Who have you put your faith in? Have you put your faith in your abilities to satisfy me, the Father? Or have you put your faith and trust in the fact that my Son, Jesus Christ, died for you? And that's the way I express my love to you. And He is the way, and He is the truth, and He is the life. Do you believe that? And that is the standard by which you will be judged. Jesus. Period. Jesus is trying to drive home in Luke chapter 15 and all three parables the magnitude of the sin in which we find ourselves and how evil it really is. And in the story, or excuse me, the, the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son, we really get probably the only time in all the scriptural scripture just exactly how evil sin is, how depraved it can be, how horrible, awful, despicable it is in the spiritual realm. And that when we sin here, we sin against not neighbor, not against wife, not against friend, but we sin against God. Continually, we're sinning against God. Whether intentional or not, because we all fall short of the glory of God. And those who say they haven't are only fooling themselves. But let's look at the parable of the prodigal son, and then we'll talk briefly about the lost sheep and the lost coin. Verse 11 of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, says this, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is now found. And they began to celebrate. Amen. You might think to yourself, how is that a spiritual illustration of the deadliness and the volatility of sin? I know that my parents are still alive, and I'm very thankful for that. I'm very blessed with that. Both of my, my parents and, and Julie's parents are alive. And in both cases, we stand to inherit something from them. That's, that's typical Western civilization uh, practice, and it has been for a long time. And it was so in the biblical days. But the only way we inherit that is if they die. Right? Um, you don't inherit something while the person is still living. This is very important in this story. That's why details are important. The son goes to the father and says, I want my inheritance now. You know, you know what he was really saying? Do you know what was going on in the spiritual battle? Do you know what was going on in the spiritual realm? What he was saying was this. I'd rather you be dead so that I can have what I want, so I can live how I want, I can do the worldly things I want, and I want you to be no part of it. That's what he's saying in the spiritual world. That is what we say when we sin to God. That is what we say when we say, you know what, God? I want to do my thing, and I'm going to treat you as though you're dead because I want to do my own. I want no part of you. That's, that's how bad sin is in the spiritual realm. When we choose to do our own thing, what we're really saying is, God, to me, you're dead. That's pretty brutal, isn't it? In the spiritual sense, that is how bad sin is. It is so bad that our actions are perceived as deadly consequences. God is holy, folks. God is holy, man. He's, he's holy. And when we reject Him, we're essentially saying to Him, you're dead to me. I want to do things my way, not your way. And that's what this son did. Because he says, I want my inheritance now. I want to do my thing now. And to me, you're dead. It wasn't so much that the son was dead to the father. It was in this... See, God is always there. God is past, present, future. God is the beginning and the end. God, you can't get away from God. So God's not dead. But when we treat Him like He is, is when we get into the world of the flesh. And we do our thing. 
what we want to do. And even when we pray, it's very hard. I, I, I struggle with, God, do this. God, I want this. God. And I have to stop and think, you know what, God already knows that. So maybe I should praise Him for what He has given me and ask Him for the things where I know I'm weak. This week, men, I asked for faith. I needed faith. Because I don't know why, but my faith was weak. My faith was struggling. Why? I don't know. Because I can go back and point to many, many different areas in my life where I go, God was very present. Who wasn't present? Scott! I was the prodigal son. I, all of us have been. Because I forgot that as a saint I have a past. But as a sinner I have a future. And if we dwell too long on the past, we can never live in the present. Life is hard, men. But God, He's good. God is good. And if He can love you and me, even when we treat Him as though He were dead, and that's exactly what we're doing today across this nation. We have people that have exchanged God for the woke movement, civil disobedience, agreeing with the majority of people instead of having faith in God the Father. We've already heard some of the percentages of people not returning to church. Folks, that is satanic in nature, is all that is. And it's only going to get worse. Where will you turn? Where's your faith? Where's your father? Notice that in this story that we're so familiar with, as the son got further from the father, the worse it got. As people are not returning to the church, it's not the church they're sinning against, they're sinning against God. They're walking away from God. And my fear is that if it's biblically true, and I believe the Bible to be true because it is the Bible, and everything in it is inerrant, and it is accurate, it is holy inspired word of God, written of the Holy Spirit, written by men of the Holy Spirit, says that the further we get from God, the worse things get. And the harder it is to come back. That's my fear, guys, is that the further we get, the harder it is to come back. I think of a, this is a stupid illustration, but I think of a spaceship going into breaking the gravity of Earth's gravitational field. And the further they get out, the harder it is to be able to get back. They gotta make sure they have enough fuel to be able to re-enter the gravitational pull of the Earth to get pulled back in. But at some point, that gravitational pull no longer is pulling. If you get beyond that one point, guess what? You ain't coming back. It's my fear today that there are people who have already gone too far. But I have to be reminded, 
Even those people can never be too far. God is still there. You can have the darkest of dark and God is still there. You can have the lightest of light and God is still there. If you go to Psalm 139, it gives us a beautiful illustration of all the different uh, possibilities of how God manifests Himself and how we can be in a certain position. And yet, still, God is there. If we go back to the first parable I mentioned, the parable of the lost coin, how ridiculous it is that a woman who she, she loses a coin, she, she basically tears her house apart looking for the coin that probably doesn't have much monetary value. As a matter of fact, she finds the coin. What does she do? She has a party. She celebrates. She probably spent all the, she probably spent more than what the coin was worth on the party. The illustration here, though, is how much God loves you. You don't have to understand or try to justify your value in the eyes of God. And we might look at someone and go, they have no value to me. If you have ever driven by a beggar on the street, you've all had that probably trying to stick me for something. You have just said that person has less value than I do. Whether they're fraudulent or not, in your mind, we've all done it. we played the game. I'm worth more than that person is. God says, no, you're not. But to me, you're invaluable. Every soul is invaluable to me. Every soul I desire to have in my kingdom. Everybody I desire. He wants that so much that he's willing to set aside the other coins and come looking for you. Even if it costs him. And guess what? We know after this, it costs him his life. When Jesus was on the cross, man, he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you understand the breadth and the depth, the width of that? What he said, what Jesus was saying was, Jesus was abandoned. He was by himself. He felt to the point where even the Father had abandoned him. That's how horrible his death was. And the magnitude of that which he took upon himself. Your sin. My sin is terrible. Your sin is terrible. Our thought life is terrible. If we had a projector and you could see my thought life during the off hours projected here, I would be humiliated as it would any of us. But God died for that. Who, who looks for a coin when you've got nine others? Why would you choose to then have a party that cost you more than the... God, Jesus is trying to illustrate to you how much He loves you. So then He gives us another parable. He says there's a... Actually, the lost coin was the second parable. The first parable was of the, the lost sheep. He says, uh, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his friends 
and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. And if we go over to the story of the prodigal son, if we, if we continued that story, you would hear that the, the, the brother that was left behind, he basically says, Dad, I've been here the whole time. You never got the fatted calf out for me. You never had a party for me. And you know what the father said? He says, all that I have and all that I have had is yours. Men, no more whiny baby time for me. I don't know about you. Because everything that God has offered to me is mine. Now I have to choose to whether I'm going to accept it or not. And stop wondering or complaining or rejecting or asking why this, why not that? How come they get this? How come I don't? Why do I work so hard and this is what I get? How come I got this job and then whatever it looks like for you? We need to learn to love the things God has given us and then when we do, guess what? You got more coming. And this isn't, I'm not, I'm not preaching a, uh, uh, what do they call that? Prosperity gospel. I'm just telling you, the closer you are to God, the better it is. The further you are from God, the worse it is. This is a simple concept, man. Okay? This is not prosperity. This is truth. The closer you are to God and embrace Him because He's given you all that He has, He says, I'm not worried about you. What I am worried about and what you should be worried about and what all my sheep should be worried about is the lost. We need to pray that we have a burden to reach the lost. This whole chapter is about the lost. It's not about you. Are you important? Absolutely. The angels had a party. They sang when you were saved. Great. Now we got work to do. We got things to do, men. Quit waiting. Quit standing still, Scott, and waiting for a blessing. Because you already got the blessing. You got salvation. Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. How much better can it possibly be? Now go out and tell others about who I am so that we can have a party. Because in the eyes of God, there is nothing greater than to see one of His lost sheep found. And He runs out to you, drapes you over His shoulders and carries you in, puts a ring on your finger, puts sandals on your feet, puts a best robe on your, on your shoulders. And says, this is my son who was lost and now is found. That's a glorious story. If you read all three parables together, what he's saying to the Pharisees and the scribes is this. You think you're righteous 
but you're not. You're lost. You need to be found. The other part of this story, and I'll end with this very quickly because it, it, it wraps this up. Notice that the son made a decision to repent while he was still in the world. He says, I'm going to go to my father and repent. And I am not worthy. There's a repentance that takes place. What did he do? He didn't just say it. What's the first thing he did when his a father put his arms around him? He says, Father, I have sinned against you. I am not worthy to be called your son. So he followed through with his decision. He says, I repent. I recognize the nature of my sin. I recognize what I have done was so awful. I recognize that I'm not even worthy to be in the presence of my father again. I considered him to be dead to me. Yet somehow he found the strength to recognize that nature of his sin, come back to the father, expecting to be reprimanded, the wrath of his father. What did his father do? While he was away off, he ran to his son. That's the God we serve. That is the God that loves us. He's not some distant being sitting off on a throne waiting for you to screw up. No sin is big enough to separate you from God except the rejection of His Son, Jesus. He loves you guys. I love you guys. Thanks for being here today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this.